Part Three, Chapter Eight, of Life and Lillian Gish. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Life and Lillian Gish by Albert Bigelow Payne. Part Three, Chapter Eight, Wind there had appeared an anonymous novel later acknowledged by dorothy scarborough a tale of sickening horror entitled wind it was the story of a young refined southern girl who goes to texas in an earlier day is made desperate by the wind and blowing sand and hard human circumstance marries a rough cowboy is violated by a man she had met on the train murders him and goes mad a category of black disaster it was regarded as fine material for a picture well suited to motion photography because of the wild tireless wind perfect symbol of motion and of the fierce action of the story a director clarence brown was highly enthusiastic over the possibilities of wind on the screen but a favorable decision might have been less quickly reached had all the conditions been foreseen for making the picture was an experience nearly as desolating as the story when the studio scenes were finished a trek of wagons trucks and motor-buses loaded with paraphernalia an entire company of actors a big crew of technical assistants mechanics etc the whole accompanied by eighty mounted cowboys invaded the blistering mojave desert in the cause of art mr brown after all was not to direct he had been sent off to alaska on the trail of ninety eight and could not it seemed finish it victor seastrom was given the direction of wind and again lars hansen was lillian's leading man satisfactory as far as it went they had waited a long time on brown until they could wait no longer spring had come the mojave in midsummer was unthinkable so that big procession one morning got in motion it was may and it was hot arriving at mojave the men took up quarters in a train that had been shunted onto a disused siding lillian miss muir and a few others in a flimsy little hotel opposite the tracks where engines switched and banged most of the night long it was a harvey hotel which was the best that could be said for it the food at least would be good cool enough at first the weather presently became unbearably hot whereupon a new difficulty presented itself film coating melted from the celluloid no developing could be done with the thermometer at one twenty in the shade they tried freezing the films but this made them brittle like thin glass finally they packed them frozen and rushed them by special cars to the metro laboratories one hundred and forty miles away to be carefully thought out and the human misery of it miss muir writes quivering veils of heat lay over the desert there was no shade anywhere and a burning wind blew all day long raising blisters on your face taking every bit of skin off your lips 
i shall never forget the appearance of the crew during that picture to protect their faces from the sun they all wore a heavy blackish makeup while their cracked and swollen lips were covered with some sort of white stuff add to this goggles and handkerchiefs tied round their necks and you can imagine that most desperate-looking gang to be seen anywhere on the desert when the studio executives saw the first rushes they were so horrified at lars hansen's unromantic appearance that they ordered the whole sequence to be done again and lars hansen to appear shaven and clean as they argued that no girl could possibly entertain romantic thoughts for such a hairy ruffian the cowboys added interest and excitement to the adventure long lean blasphemous individuals reckless of everything gambling the minute they were not needed for a scene to which lillian adds it was the very worst experience i ever went through temperature one twenty in the shade in the sun question mark one man burned his hand quite badly opening the door of a motor we had eight wind machines and in the studio to match up with the blowing sand outside supposed to be blowing in the doors and windows we used sulphur pots the smoke giving the effect of sand blowing in the sand itself was bad enough but the pots were worse i was burned all the time and was in danger of having my eyes put out the hardships of making way down east were nothing to it my hair was burned and nearly ruined by the sulphur smoke i could not get it clean for months such an experience is not justified by any picture nature seems to have wearied of their evil-smelling feeble devices and one day gave an example of what she could do herself miss muir graphically a few days before we finished the scenes up there it turned cold towards the end of the afternoon work was stopped by a terrific sandstorm a howling wind which soon assumed the proportions of a hurricane tore down from the mountains sending the sand whirling in dense masses before it the sky was black and everything was obscured by a veil through which we could dimly perceive the figures of the cowboys bent forward on their saddles horse and rider braced against the oncoming fury making for camp there was an extraordinary beauty about the scene as lillian and i stood for a moment and watched it before getting into the car and i could appreciate the feeling in her voice when she said oh how i wish mr griffith was here how he would have loved to photograph that all night long the storm raged while our shaky little hotel quivered to its foundations as we lay in bed trying vainly to sleep we could see the flimsy walls of the hotel bending before the onslaught and in the morning the room was full of sand which had leaked in through every crevice of the ill-built structure this was exactly what they had come up there to produce but apparently they made no use of it one remembers griffith waiting for the blizzard in new england and echoes lillian's heartfelt utterance the day had come when nature's effects were no longer in favor 
were even resented as an imitation and one who has seen the picture must confess that those eight wind machines were not easily to be outdone the most depressing of lillian's films wind is one of the best beautiful in its sheer ferocity nemirovich danchenko distinguished manager playwright and producer of the moscow art theatre being then in hollywood after a preview of it wrote as follows i want once more to tell you of my admiration of your genius in that picture the power and expressiveness of your portrayal begat real tragedy a combination of the greatest sincerity brilliance and unvarying charm places you in a small circle of the first tragedians of the world one feels your great experience and the ripeness of your genius it is quite possible that i shall write of it again in russia where you are the object of great interest and admiration by the people for some reason wind was not released until late in the year when it finally appeared the time for it was brief the talking picture was ready to invade the land but that story a sad one we shall come to a little later lillian's last silent picture the enemy a war picture laid in vienna not very startling closed her two-year contract with the metro company she was to have made six pictures but they were unable to give them to her both sides were satisfied however and parted on the pleasantest terms only too gladly lillian would have made another picture had conditions been otherwise the company on its part had no word of complaint even paid her for one day extra time something over a thousand dollars a complete surprise for she had taken no account of that day end of part three chapter eight recording by john brandon